Welcome to Matters of Fact. I'm Christian Sierra. Now, yesterday we saw a lot of confusion and even anger or dismay regarding the problems confronting the community pantries which have sprouted during this pandemic. So later on the program, we're going to speak with the Department of the Interior and Local Government to ask on ways on protecting these community pantries against unnecessary red tape or bureaucracy and worse, red baiting. First, the news, Philippine Senator Slam President Rodrigo Duterte's defeated statements about Chinese incursions in the West Philippine Sea. They say the country's chief executive should not be the first to surrender any part of the Philippine territory. We are joined by Greg Poling. He's a senior fellow for Southeast Asia and director of the Asia Maritime Transparency Initiative of the Washington-based Center for Strategic and International Studies. Good morning, Greg, here in Manila, and thank you for joining us again in the program. Yeah, hi, Christian. Always a pleasure. Okay. What do you make of this latest statements coming from President Rodrigo Duterte? Because uh, a lot of people thought that somehow there was already a concrete shift in his policy toward China over the West Philippine Sea. But while his secretaries, his, minister, his ministers sounded very combative, very, uh, very passionate or committed uh, over the past several weeks, suddenly the president spoke out and he again sounded defeatist. What do you make of the signals that are coming from the from the administration as far as China is concerned? You know, President Duterte has now been in office for almost five years. Um, I think this should be yet another uh, reminder that he's not going to suddenly change who he is. Uh, he's not going to change his opinions on China or on the U.S. The best that can be hoped for for those who want to see a stronger policy on the West Open Sea is that he will just kind of stay out of the way of the DND and the AFP and, and DFA. And I still think that that seems to be what's happening and has been happening for about a year. When really forced into a corner and you force him to go to a microphone, he is not going to say China is violating the law and stealing our fish. He's going to hem and haul, which is what he did. Mm. But uh, how will that be reflected uh, in terms of the concrete activities or responses by the Philippine government? Uh, to what China has been doing in the West Philippine Sea? It certainly weakens the ability of the Department of Foreign Affairs. Um, you know, they can talk about issuing daily uh, notes verbal to Beijing for every day that there are still illegal Chinese paramilitary forces operating in, in the Philippine exclusive economic zone. But when the Department, or when the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Beijing can turn on their TV and see President Duterte clearly undercutting that message, it certainly weakens um, I think any ability of Manila to try to get Beijing to compromise. At the same time, it doesn't change the fact that the AFP and the Philippine Coast Guard are out there doing what they want to do, which is patrol Philippine waters. So uh, as long as the, the armed forces of the Philippines, the Department of National Defense, are able to do what they are supposed to do in the West Philippine Sea, despite the president's pronouncements, there should be no big problem? I think that it is an improvement over what we've seen for most of the last five years, which was nothing. Um, at the very least, for the last month plus, the uh, AFP, the uh, Philippine Coast Guard, the West Philippine Sea Task Force, and the Palace have been talking about the West Philippine Sea issue in a way that we haven't seen since the Aquino government. Mm. And they've been going out there on the water taking pictures of the bow numbers of Chinese illegal actors and broadcasting them to the world. That is a very valuable turn of events. Much more still needs to be done, and it probably won't be done until next July, but it's a start. But if you're China now, uh, how, how do you see this particular uh, mixed signals or these mixed signals coming from the Duterte administration? 
is the administration or is the Philippines risking uh, not being taken seriously still by China as far as how serious it is supposed to be now already uh, over what's happening in the West Philippine Sea? Certainly, China must continue to be annoyed by the bad publicity around this deployment at, at Julian Felipe Reef and, and the uh, PR campaign that the Armed Forces of the Philippines has been engaged in. At the same time, President Duterte is certainly allowing Chinese leaders to see what they want to see and hear what they want to hear. So they will see this as reinforcing their assumption that all of this noise doesn't have the backing of Malacanang and that it's really just malcontents in the defense establishment, probably backed up by the Americans and the Japanese, and that China can safely ignore it. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about the implications of the statements coming from the president. Again, he sounded very defeatist at this stage in his administration with what's going on in the West Philippine Sea. What are the implications? It, it does mean that the because the president constantly frames this as an issue of either uh, some kind of nuclear war that the Philippines is, is going to lose or nothing. But those are the only two options. Uh, he continues to, to veer toward this idea that, that Manila is better off doing nothing. But again, it takes actual effort for him to stop the Coast Guard and the Navy and BFA from doing their jobs. And I don't see any evidence that he's actually getting in the way of them doing their job at the moment. So while while he might say unhelpful things, I still think this is an improvement over where things were in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. On the other hand, they also see a certain strategy with the president's pronouncements that while he's talking this way, that he's sounding defeatist at the same time, his, his lieutenants, uh, his ministers are actually doing what they are supposed to do. Five years into the Duterte presidency, I have trouble believing that he's playing some kind of deeper three-dimensional chess game that the rest of us don't understand. Um, I think that he's said the exact same thing since July 1st, 2016, and that we should all just take him at his word. He doesn't care about the West Philippine Sea. He just said he doesn't care about the fish. Uh, and right now what we're seeing is him just not putting forth the energy to stop the professionals in the Philippine government from doing their jobs. Okay, uh, talking about the fish, or the, uh, the, the resources there, the marine resources in the West Philippine Sea. Let's talk about the implications of that particular um, claim by President Duterte. He said, I don't think there's enough fish really to quarrel about. And that his red line, uh, as he said, would be oil exploration if China starts doing that. Yeah. The South China Sea is the most productive fishing ground on the planet. An estimated 12% of all the fish in the world are caught in the South China Sea. And mostly they're caught by small-scale fisher folk from the Philippines and from Vietnam. So certainly what China's doing is taking the livelihoods away from tens of thousands of Filipino fishers who have been operating these waters for generations and threatening the food security of millions of Filipino citizens. Far more, by the way, than rely on oil and gas resources out at Recto Bank, which have never been tapped. The oil and gas is purely hypothetical. The fish are very real, and they are going away at a rate that is risking the livelihoods of whole communities. So if this is the pronouncement coming from the president, uh, does it actually, how will this translate to the actual experience of the Filipino fishermen in that area? I mean, this could could this further compromise their position there, their, their, their livelihood? And if you are the Coast Guard, for instance, uh, trying to enforce Philippine laws in Philippine waters, 
or our sovereign uh, rights over the West Philippine Sea? How would these uh, statements coming from the president affect those uh, that enforcement or those activities? I don't think it's going to affect the efforts of the Philippine Coast Guard um, or the National Coast Watch Center or the Navy or others to try to assert Philippine rights and protect the rights of Filipino fishermen when they can. Now, they are hopelessly outnumbered. And so the Philippine Coast Guard can't protect every Filipino fisherman who might be harassed by the Chinese. What What's needed there is leadership from the very top to convince Beijing to back off. And that's what's lacking here. Um, it also must make Filipino fishermen feel like they're being abandoned by their government. I mean, in the same way that, you know, the, the mariners aboard the Gem Bear were blamed for their own misfortune when they were sank, I think most Filipino fishermen must feel like their government blames them for somehow provoking China. Mm-hmm. Now, how about the, the, the course of uh, action uh, being taken by the Philippine government uh, when it comes to the presence of uh, Chinese uh, maritime militia vessels in different parts of the West Philippine Sea? We know that uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs has been filing diplomatic protests every day until the last China ship uh, leaves the area. But what else can we do? What else can the Philippine government do? What are the other options available to us? I don't want to... Um minimize how important this effort actually is. The only way to identify these militia vessels is to get somebody close to them and take a picture. And that's what the Philippine Coast Guard and the Navy have been doing. That is great. And then publicizing that to the world is great. It imposes cost on Beijing. It makes China look like an illegal actor, which is what's needed. This must be much larger. This is just a start. The next step will be to take this evidence, continue to collect it, do it in cooperation with the Americans, the Japanese, other claimants like the Vietnamese, get it in front of international bodies like the United Nations, make it so that China looks like what it is, an illegal actor, and that has cost. Beijing wants to be seen as a global leader, and it can't be seen as a global leader if its neighbors are publicizing photos every day of it breaking the wall. And they think that could work because that would also require leadership, obviously. But if this is how President Duterte is dealing with the issue, how can we expect something like that? Beijing cares about its international reputation. Of course, there are limits. And China is willing to put up with a great deal of criticism. But it does still want to be seen as a global leader. It doesn't want to be viewed the way Russia is, as a spoiler, as a a bad actor. Right? It wants to be seen as helping set rules. So I do think that a concerted effort, particularly if it's in an international coalition, to publicly identify Chinese illegal behavior and bring it up in every international forum will bend China toward compromise. Of course, that ultimately needs uh, leadership from the very top, but this is a start. And it's a start that hopefully can carry on through the rest of the Duterte administration and into that of his successor. Yeah. That is also important because uh, one problem is uh, consistency. Uh, since next year will be the ele- another election year for the Philippines, we can expect a different president uh, after uh, those elections. So again, we would be confronted by the same issues. What would be the policy of the next administration toward China? And if you are China, uh, you can obviously see that as a weakness, something that you can exploit. Isn't that correct? Certainly. And look, Beijing, um, as it did in the U.S. election last year, will look for every opportunity to influence the outcome of the Philippine election or at least influence the talking points of the candidates in a way that serves Chinese interests. That said, if you were in Beijing, you have to know that there is no candidate likely to run next year 
who will be better and more protective of you than Rodrigo Duterte was. And so mm. if even after five years of Rodrigo Duterte, China couldn't have its way, remains as un more unpopular than it was among the Philippine field in the day it took office, China has to be worried. Nobody who's likely to take over next year is going to be better for China than the current president. And the current president, I would say, is clearly fed up with Beijing. Okay. Uh, finally, Greg, given the uh, the big picture scenario in the in the South China Sea, uh, what China actually intends to do in that particular area, of course, they would be very concerned as well uh, regarding the the, the uh, respective positions of the different claimant countries and other stakeholders. But as far as they're concerned, we know that they have a bigger plan in the area. But what do you think would be the China's uh, urgent uh, activities uh, toward the end of the Duterte administration, given the friendliness of this president toward Beijing? I mean, what are the things that you see China would be bent on maximizing or making sure it would be able to do in that particular area uh, while President Duterte is in office? The one that China's strategy, I think, is going to continue regardless of who is in office. Beijing intends to use its numbers, the fact that it has hundreds of militia boats and the world's largest Coast Guard, to push the Philippines and Vietnam and Malaysia out of their own exclusive economic zones little by little. So we will continue to see militia deployments, just like this one. Um, it will continue at Pagasa. It will likely return to Hulampalipi Reef. Uh, you will continue to see China blocking any attempts at new oil and gas exploration anywhere in the West Philippine Sea. We saw this for the Malaysians last year. We saw it for the Vietnamese in late 2019. If the Philippines dares try to drill for oil and gas at Recto Bank, China will prevent it. Okay. Greg Pauling, thank you for joining us this morning in Manila. Thank you. Now, based on the latest report from our correspondent on the ground, the community pantry along Maginhawa Street has resumed distributing aid after the red baiting incident forced its organizer to suspend operations. We are now joined by Interior Undersecretary Jonathan Malaya. Thank you for joining us this morning, uh, Undersecretary Malaya. Yes, good morning, Christian, and good morning to all of your uh, fans and televiewers. <laughs> so it seems over the past several weeks, uh, you've been reduced to uh, cleaning up some of the mess committed by some other undersecretaries at the DALG. Let's talk about this latest uh, correction that you had to make over the statement made by Undersecretary Martin Dino. Okay? Uh, to, to set the record straight, do community pantries require permits or need to secure permits from the local government units to be able to operate? Well, Christian, I wouldn't characterize what I'm doing as cleaning up. No, uh, I would... You know, as spokesperson, my job really is to clarify. And I think uh, we have uh, sufficiently clarified the situation when Secretary Eduardo Año himself said that there is no order um, insofar as uh, profiling or uh, to monitor or surveillance all of these community pantries. And in fact, we support uh, the existence of these pantries. Uh, we offered the help of the Philippine National Police and the barangays if needed so that these community pantries may operate freely. Because as mentioned by the secretary himself, the uh, community pantry is an act of kindness. It has been a tradition and part of Philippine spirit and culture, uh, which is called Bayanihan, mm -hmm. which is very important, especially in times of disasters. Okay, uh, but why the qualifier? That was also included in the statement of Secretary Año, uh, that there should be no political color 
in the establishment of political pantries, uh, of community pantries. For instance, can groups like Bayan or Bayan Muna or even Akbayan, can they put up their own uh, community pantries without being hassled by the government? Anyone can set up a community pantry. In fact, um, if Bayan or Bayan Muna or any of these left-wing groups would like to uh, conduct their own community pantries, there would be no problem. Um, whatever they say during those community pantries, if they put on signs, are part of protected speech. No? Uh, we're in a democratic society and people can say whatever they want. That's why we have a very vigorous social media and now we have a very vigorous community pantry. However, we in the DILG, we would rather that people do not um, include politics uh, in the community pantry. If the intention of, of uh, Bayan Muna or all of these left-wing uh, groups uh, is to help, then just help. No? If you put political color into it, um, it, it reduces it into a propaganda uh, action. So we in the DILG, we would rather um, just step back and um, be in the middle no? and appeal to the public and to the organizers of the community pantry to keep these initiatives um, zero, politically zero, so that um, we, we do not further complicate, you know, we're already in a disaster and then we are ascribing politics to what it should be selfless acts of kindness. Okay. But, but you mentioned that um, they are free to, to put up signs if they want, if certain groups want to put up certain signs, right? For example, one group wants to criticize the government, but at the same time, the bigger uh, issue or the bigger objective is to help the public. So you said that's protected speech, right? That's so right. what if what if they are visited by police officers, uh, by village officials, telling them to to remove those signs? Can they hold on to your word, to the word of the DALG that they will be protected? Uh, for instance, is this a government policy to begin with, or it doesn't even have to be government policy because, as you mentioned, that is protected speech. But if you talk about the specific uh, incidents on the ground, these things can still be the subject of uh, confusion, if not harassment. Yes, uh, that's correct. Uh, that's why, um, as I said, it's protected speech. And Secretary Anyo himself, uh, the Philippine National Police Chief, uh, General de Sinas himself, already said, and uh, Secretary uh, of the Department of Justice, Secretary Guevara, already said that the government uh, should not interfere in these community pantries, that we should encourage and allow it to sprout because precisely this is the Bayanihan spirit in action, no? Uh, people helping each other, and which we have done uh, from the very beginning. However, we place a line when laws and ordinances have been violated. So protected speech is protected speech. There's no law is uh, to be violated there. So those who are going to put anti-government propaganda or uh, any political message in the pantries can do so and they are guaranteed by the DILG and the PNP that they will not be harassed. Okay, that, that's a guarantee from the DILG? Yes, and from the leadership likewise of the Philippine National Police. Because, you know, we're trying to find out, uh, Christian, what really happened in Maginhawa. You know, uh, there was no video, there was no photo taken uh, of the alleged police officers that went there. We're trying to find out, uh, were these alleged police officers in uniform? If not, uh, were... What were their, if they were in uniform, what were their names? No, what station did they come from? You know, because anyone Christian can, you know, uh, post to be a police officer and do alleged profiling. You know, we do not know in this in this age of fake news and disinformation, 
this could have been a propaganda uh, uh, a set a propaganda set done by some groups out to discredit government so uh, we are investigating we're trying to find out we would like to find out we would like um, evidences to come out so that we can act accordingly but that doesn't of course diminish what they are doing again if the community pantries um, are spouting all over they should be supported and encouraged by government and protected by authorities right from any harassment especially those coming from the government that's correct okay now in this case how exactly do you intend to protect uh, how can community pantries be protected against this uh, unfair red baiting because if you look at the profile of uh, Anna Patricia non uh, very simple uh, individual ordinary Filipino who decided to help and uh, fortunately that particular initiative has gone viral that's why it was very very unfortunate it was very very dismaying for her to be the big to be a victim of uh, some vicious red baiting which she said is now being investigated how about the other initiatives how do you protect that from being red baited you know uh, the the we have advised all of the uh, barangays and the local government units that they should encourage and support the community pantry and if this community pantry organizers come to us or come to them, to the barangays and the local officials for help, they should. In fact, in Quezon City, uh, the community pantry, the ones from Maginhawa, came to see the barangay, came to see the local government unit. And the Philippine National Police, in fact, was there, as mentioned uh, clearly by Mayor Joy Belmonte. He, they, they came and supported and assisted in maintaining social distance. Of, uh, and physical physical distancing and uh, minimum health standards in the conduct of the community pantry. Mm. So uh, again, um, we will we are taking steps. No, we are taking steps to ensure that there will be no harassment or uh, intimidation. And we are establishing if indeed there was harassment and intimidation. Uh, in so far as the Maginhawa incident is concerned. Okay. Now, how will your guarantee, as far as the DILG is concerned, uh, relate to what people saw uh, as veiled threat coming from uh, General uh, Parlade, who is from the NTF uh, LCAC, right? And the DILG is also part of uh, a very integral part of this national task force against the communist armed movement. Uh, how do you relate those two statements? You have a guarantee coming from the DILG, but you have a seeming threat coming from General Parlade. Well, I have not heard uh, about what General Perlade said, so I would not be able to comment on something that I do not know. Okay, he said, uh, pero kung propaganda ng agenda nila, ibang usapan na yun. In another um, media interview, sabi niya, hindi ako galik kay Patricia noon, gusto ko yung ginagawa niya, pero kung propaganda na ang agenda nila, ibang usapan yun. Because it's very important to talk about these things because even seemingly innocuous or harmless statements coming from certain people can lead to actual harm or actual physical harm even. And here we have, again, General Parlade talking. And we know who General Parlade is. You know, Christian, I wouldn't presume to speak for in behalf of General Parlade. I think it would be best if we have General Parlade on the show so yeah. that he can explain for himself uh, his statement. No, okay. I am the spokesperson of the DILG and I can only speak in so far as the DILG is concerned and yeah. the Philippine National Police. Yeah. So I think I think my guarantee to everyone is that if there is indeed a um, act of intimidation or harassment against uh, any community pantry in the country, 
give us the evidence, now bring it to us, bring it to my office personally, and we will have this investigated. And all of those people who are part of the DILG or the PNP who would be proven to have done this thing, which is an illegal act, we will have them prosecuted and be made accountable. But should this also be a policy, a very clear policy as far as the uh, community pantries are concerned, when you talk about the National Task Force uh, to end communist armed, um, um, armed conflict? Kasi nga part kayo ng DILG, di ba? So hindi naman pwedeng hiwa-hiwala yung, yung, uh, yung policy nyo o yung pagtingin nyo regarding community pantries. You know, uh, Christian, we are part of the NTFF, that's correct, no? But um, we are not the head of the communications cluster. It's headed by someone else, by uh, Yusek Lorraine Badoy. So uh, the statements coming from the NTFL CAP are different from those coming from the DILG. We are the ones on the ground. No, It's a DILG that uh, maintains peace and order, public safety, and good, lo good local governance. Again, um, I can only speak on behalf of the department. Uh, I do not wish to intrude into what the uh, National Task Force LCAP is doing, but I do appreciate sometimes no, their statements. Because as I said, while, uh, while statements in these pantries are protected speech, it would be best for everyone not to complicate matters. <laughs> because when we put in propaganda, political propaganda, and we all know elections are coming, Christian, okay? Mm -hmm. And the reason that the NTFL CAP sees this um, statements being placed, political statements, which are uncalled for, is precisely because elections are coming and many of the groups are, are running either for political office or want re-election as party list, you know, all of these, no? So, again, when we have this propaganda in a supposedly selfless act of kindness, it complicates matters. No. But, but don't you think that's also uh, a risk that they must take if they if certain groups would like to infuse any political color in what they are doing? That is a risk that they're taking. Nonetheless, yes, it's correct. Nonetheless, um, it's a risk they're taking. That, that's why uh, our appeal uh, to the public and to the organizers, just keep the community pantry uh, outside of politics. Keep it political. Make it a, an, a selfless act of kindness, make it an expression of the Bayanihan culture, and don't inject politics into it so that it will not further complicate the situation. When you, when you say further complicate the situation, what exactly do you mean? How exactly can that complicate the situation? Well, I think it's perfectly clear to everyone how it's being complicated. Because as you said, the Maginhawa incident was just a, you know, a, uh, a, a, a person who wanted to help out. Okay, he wanted to help out, uh, and people, uh, this message, of course, resonated across the country. And there was no one who complained about it, no? But once uh, people started putting in politics into it, uh, things became black and white. No, there was no longer gray. And that, that is what I mean by complicating the situation. Which example, I, which, mm -hmm. example again, ito, under Secretary Malaya, let's say um, someone put up a uh, community pantry in his community, in his neighborhood. Hindi naglagay siya ng sign, di ba? Yung kumuha lang ng ayon sa pangangailangan, magbigay ng ayon sa kakayahan. So that is the general message coming from these community pantries. Pero let's say nag-express din siya ng frustration. O kaya, nagpa-interview for instance, sinabi niya, eh hindi naman magkakailanganin to kung sapat ang tulong galing sa gobyerno. Which is already a very political statement, right? So 
is that part of the complications that you're talking about that expression that expression of uh, frustration or inadequacy coming from the government uh, you know christian you know we, we we can go back and forth here no because <laughs> kasi, kasi i have my own views as well about about ayuda no uh, we have in fact uh, already distributed um, more than 50% of the 22.9 billion earmarked by the president uh, for uh, ayuda distribution in the country. In fact, in Metro Manila, one in two people, 51.64 have already received, which is 5.79 billion. Uh, in Quezon City, we have distributed 1.48 billion pesos. No, so we're not talking about we're not talking about small amount here. We are giving back the taxpayers' money to help people uh, get through this pandemic. Now, um, now, I, you know, so uh, there is there is assistance coming from the government. Now, I do not that I do not want to go into a debate uh, with these people who claim that you know the presence of community pantries um, heightens or whatever underscores uh, whatever about the government's response. No, Again, that would be me entering into the political fray. And I don't want to do that because I myself have already asked that let's not keep, let's keep politics out of the of the community pantry because how credible would, would I would be right? saying that let's not put politics in and then I criticize those who are criticizing, you know. So I would rather say that in so far as the Ayuda is concerned, for Quezon City alone, okay. you know, we're talking about okay. 1.48 billion pesos. And sometimes, okay. Christian, you know, it's frustrating when people say, uh, the ayuda coming from the national government ay hindi sapat ay kakarampot. How can 1.48 billion for Quezon City alone would be di sapat kakarampot? I think okay. I would stop there. Okay. Under Secretary Jonathan Malaya, thank you very much for joining us this morning. And that's our program for today. I'm Christian Esguera. You can listen to our interviews again on the ANC Matters of Fact podcast available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Stitcher. You can also get all the exclusive content on ANC's uh, YouTube channel. Thank you for watching.